Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you this morning. We quiet our hearts. We're here to hear from you. For some there have been It has been a long week. And we need to hear from you this morning. For some, Lord, there has been victory in watching you work. And Lord, we ask that you would continue to show yourself. Lord, as we look at your word this morning, we're excited to hear what you have for us. Reminded, Lord, that We are your people and you are our God. We're excited that, Lord, you want to speak into our lives, each and every one of us. That we didn't come here to fill a pew, to sit in a spot, to to do our obligation of an hour. We came to hear your voice. And so, Lord, as I prepare to, to read the scripture this morning, I pray even now that you'd be speaking into our lives. Because your word is powerful, it is true, it cuts. As scripture says, bone and marrow. It separates, it reminds us who we are and why we need a Savior like you. And so Lord, as we read this morning, I pray that that's what would happen. In your name we pray. Amen. Scripture this, this morning is out of James chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? Your desire, you desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think, Scripture says without reason, that he is jealously longing for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. But he gives us more grace. That is what scripture said. God God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. May God add his blessing as we continue to sing. You may be seated. <laughs> In the middle of the prayer, it came up. What was it? Oh, oh yeah, I heard it. Yeah, did it turn, did it on, go on the screen or something? Oh, okay. <laughs> so that tells you that most of the kids weren't, <laughs> didn't have their eyes closed. I wondered, I heard noises. I thought, yeah. I didn't know what it was, so I just left it. Normally people don't leave when you start. Yeah. 
Uh, so good morning. Uh, this this passage I want to just uh, uh, two weeks ago we we uh, I preached on uh, James chapter three and then uh, this week I wanted to hit James four about a month and a half ago or so I'm in a real small Bible study and we were going through James and it was really very practical and stuck like in my head like as I'm reading it I'm like yeah this is good stuff and man is it speaking to me and so uh, two weeks ago I. Uh, we talked about taming our tongue, and we, you stuck your tongue out at me. You remember that? That was fun. A lot of people seem to like that. I don't know what that was all about. but And so last week, Brentley was here, and, uh, and so this week is, a, is, like a, is, a one, is one week, and then we're going to be, so next week I'll be in Korea, just giving you a heads up. Uh, I would in, Aaron Hansen will be here. You may remember Aaron. Aaron was here uh, be a year ago, April. Um, and then the week after that will be, uh, your pleasure, will be uh, Victor Shields. Uh, Victor and Don will be stopping in uh, Labor Day weekend. So, yeah, so they're excited and I'm sure you're excited. So uh, I would encourage you to get to, get, to be here and to encourage them. Uh, they're excited to be back. Victor finally uh, is, was done August 1st with his last gig, so... <laughs> so we didn't let the grass grow very long underneath his feet, and we uh, we asked him if he would come and uh, and uh, spend the week. And uh, so, and I'll be out. I'll be in Korea. Uh, I don't know, eating weird weird food and going to weird places and spending time with my grandchild. So that'll be cool. And my daughter. I guess I'll, my daughter too. So that'll be cool. Right? <laughs> grandchild. You know. You know. You know how that works. Right. So. So. What's that? Yeah, Amy. Are you going? Yeah. I thought I thought she was. I, I ordered two seats, so I wasn't positive. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about. Did I? Did you leave me, Jason? I don't know. I don't know where the the. Is that all right now? Are you are in there now? Are we good? Okay. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit. When I first came, we talked about this the hospital model, and I don't know if you remember that. Uh, when I came, we talked about making the church like a hospital in that we help people to spiritually move uh, from a very uh, dark place or a hard place or a place where they need to grow or maybe even be a place where we get some proactive uh, treatment, right? And working in that mentality to help people heal. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, I'm, I have noticed, I hope you've noticed, we live in a very broken world. It, it takes about 13 seconds of watching the news and you'll find out, right? Um, the world is a very broken place with a, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of struggles. And so that's a good thing for you guys. You may not realize it, but we're never going to run out of work. Did you, think about that for a second. We're never going to run out of people who we can connect with, who we can help, who we can uh, move towards God. We're never going to run out of people that need God's love and his salvation. And so I like that idea of the hospital model. And you remember the, well, you saw Mark had his shirt on today, um, be neighbors, make neighbors, and build God's neighborhood. That's the, the parable for, of the, um, the Samaritan, right? You remember that we've talked about that story a bunch of times. And doesn't that Samaritan go and bandage up the person on the side of the road? 
and take care of the wounds they have. Not only does he go and bandage him up, he puts him on his donkey, he takes him to the, a, place, a hospital of our sorts, uh, would have been in that time. And then he says, I'll take care of the, whatever it costs to fix him, right? Whatever it takes, whatever it takes to make him healthy, let me know. I'll be back, right? I'll give you, I'm going to give you some money, but if I don't have enough money, I'm going to give you, I'll be back to finish uh, that up. And so that's kind of what our model, I want our church model to look like, right? We don't just do the shotgun, here's Jesus thing. We're going we're gonna to walk alongside of hurting people. We're going we're gonna to step uh, and, and sit in those times where we cry with those who cry and we uh, laugh with those who laugh. We're going to sit and do life together as a community because that's, that's important. And I believe that's what Jesus wants us to do. And so our goal is to help hurting people by sharing the love of Jesus with them. One, on a very practical level. And two, on a very spiritual level of saying, listen, there is no hope in, outside of salvation through Jesus. See, some have never, ever experienced the love of Christ in their life. And it... Th- Go back to the TV, watch the news, right? People don't do those things like shoot up places who have experienced the love of Christ. All they've experienced is pain and hurt and just someone continually wounding and wounding and wounding and wounding and wounding people. So they've never experienced the love of Christ. They don't even understand what that means. Their world is dark. Because let's think about it. We don't go around just thinking about doing those things. That's not a normal process for people to grow up and do. These are people whose situations in life have been a mess. And it continues to be a mess. And they get wounded some more and wounded some more and wounded some more. And they finally get to a place that's so dark, there is no light in their life. And so those are the people that we want to bring to our hospital. Slightly messy, huh? A good hospital will probably be a little bit messy. So you guys got to be in, you got to be on board with that plan, right? That means people are going to come through our doors broken. That means people are going to come with issues. That means someone might say a swear word or tell us a story that's not all good. And we have to be the feet of Jesus. We have to be Jesus in that process. Some of us have experienced Jesus and then the world has beaten us down. Not always our issues. Sometimes we've caused some of our own problems. Sometimes others have caused problems in our life. Either way, we have gone, we have experienced Jesus and yet life has overwhelmed us. And those people need a hospital too. It's like they got an infection. They need an antibiotic. They need something, a shot of something to get them back on track. Some of us, some people, we're okay. But we need a little bit of that uh, uh, 
health, what do they call it, uh, spiritual health uh, assessment, right? We need to think about our health and see where we need to make adjustments. You ever go to the doctor when he tells you, okay, you need to lose 20 pounds and you need to change. Your cholesterol is out of whack, right? And what else does he tell me? Your blood pressure is not good, right? And so he tells, I'm just, I'm just going to make an example of me because I, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to embarrass anyone else, right? So you go there. I got, actually, I'm going on Wednesday. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I'm going on Wednesday for him to beat me up, right? <laughs> He's going to tell me all the things I need to change. Yeah, and I'm going to, I'm going to work on it. Like Wednesday after there, I'm going right to McDonald's. No, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Uh, yeah, my blood pressure will be better, yeah. <laughs> and so for some of us, we understand the love of Jesus and we just need to keep walking that path. And that's what the hospital would encourage us to continue to do, to continue to work on our spiritual health. Isn't that what Sunday school, I hope that's what Sunday school does for you. I hope you're willing and able to go to a Sunday school and you go there and you're challenged a bit, I hope. You're encouraged a bit, I hope. I hope you're stretched a bit, right? We have some awesome Sunday school teachers. If you don't have a Sunday school, you let me know because I'd like to hook you up with. Uh, we have, I think there are eight, seven or eight right now, adult Sunday school classes. No excuses. No excuses. We got one for, we got every demographic you can think. We even have the He-Man Woman Haters Club, jokingly. <laughs> we have a men's class, right? <laughs> It jokingly started that. That was, the, that was the title when it started. It was just a joke, but don't take it personal. It was just a... But uh, we have all these classes where you can fit in and start to grow your faith in a little bit more intimate setting. A hospital room, if you would be. That's why I think the hospital model works. Because we all have to go or will go to the doctor or to the hospital at some time. And this is a spiritual hospital. Think about that for a moment. This is a spiritual hospital. So if we were going to staff our spiritual hospital, and we were going to start this from the ground up, right? We have nothing, nobody. What do we need first? To be, amen, exactly, to be healthy. We need healthy people to help sick people. Right? And that's exactly what James is talking about in this passage. We start with us first. We can't help people if we're not healthy ourselves. What happens if we have the flu and we're trying to help somebody else and we give them the flu? Right? And sometimes emotionally we do this, right? We, I, I always jokingly say, we puke on someone, our emotions on someone else. Because we're not healthy, we haven't sorted it out with God, and yet we want to help. We want to help other people, but there are times when we need to get healthy first. We also need, as I was talking about that Sunday school, we need to grow. Right? We don't. Go, does anybody go to the hospital where where no one is board certified, no one has ever spent a day in school, no one has ever uh, had one day of training? Does anybody? Does anybody want to go there? <laughs> there, what, there's a reason we don't go there, right? Because we want people who know what they're doing, right? 
We don't want that Holiday Inn commercial. Do you know what the Holiday Inn commercial I'm talking about is? They got, are you the doctor? No, but I slept at a Holiday Inn last night, right? <laughs> he feels so good that he slept at a Holiday Inn, he thinks he can do anything, right? But he's not trained. And that's where it comes in. We need to be healthy first. That means we need to seek God first in our life. People who want to help others need to be healthy themselves. And James talks about this in the passage. Uh, he says, what causes the fights among you? They don't come from, they come from the desires within you. They come from what's inside of us. The desires to do what we want. The desires to be selfish. You realize, I love this picture. I love this, I don't know if it looks that good on that. Yeah, it looks all right. That pic, maybe that picture means nothing to you. But that picture to me reminds me of all the things that run through our minds that are going on in our lives and how our brains continue, are, are continually working through so many different things. There are all those things that run through our minds. And that's what James is saying. Don't you understand? You desire to have this. You will go so far as to kill. You covet what you cannot get. You quarrel and fight. You don't have it because you don't ask God. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives. I'm going to ask you that question this morning. What are your motives when you serve for God? And it's not as cut and dry, I think, as we want it to be. I want my motives that every time I go to the community of caring, I want my motives to be genuine and honest and forthright that I want to serve someone who is hurting. I want to help someone who is the least of these. I want to go there and make good of something bad. But I can honestly tell you that I've been going down there, I, I don't know how long, at least 15 years-ish, and I can, three times a year times 15, that's 45 trips to COC. I can promise you one thing. That I haven't gone down there 45 times with the right motive. Once in a while when I go down there, I'm frustrated. Once in a while I go down there, I'm thinking, I got six other things to do when I'm at home. I need to get home. I need to get back. And so what was started out as a blessing, as a, as a ministry opportunity, has now become a burden. And I wonder how often... We do things in the name of God, and they are just a burden. And we do them with the wrong motives. We do them with the wrong intent. Or we think someone will see us, and so we need to do this, or we need to do that. That's a hard question, and I do the same, I do the same thing, right? I love to do ministry, but don't do it on Friday, right? <laughs> That's my day off, so don't do ministry on Fridays. We have to ask ourselves, why are we doing what we're doing? That's where this begins. If you want to be working in our hospital, you have to be healthy. That means you have to understand what God wants for your life. That means... That means all the work, most of the work in ministry is done long before you actually do something in ministry. 
That was one of the things that I really appreciated about Brian and Lynette Smith. They spent four years discerning God's plan for Haiti. They're going to go to Haiti for four years. 50% of the time that they have spent uh, in ministry has been trying to discern what God's planned for them in Haiti while they're there. They didn't say, you know what, I want to go to Haiti, let's go. They didn't get in the plane and go and take their kids and, oh, we'll figure it out when we get there. Our God is a God of order. He has a plan. And I challenge you that if you want to work in our hospital, to pray about where God has you in our hospital. The battle is in here. Hey, there we go. There's a crazy little book. Whoops, sorry, Jason. <laughs> There's a crazy little book in, uh, in the Old Testament, and it's called Hosea. Anybody ever read Hosea? Nobody else. My wife's the only one. Oh, Roscoe read it. It's a crazy story. So I'm going to encourage you that I don't even want to tell the story now because it's more be more fun to lot tell you, but I will tell you. So Hosea is a prophet, a minor prophet, that God says, now listen to this story, kids. You can't make this up. This is what's in there. <laughs> he says, I want you to take a prostitute as your wife. And her name is Gomer. And I want you to take her and marry her. Okay. That's weird, right? And obviously God's doing this all along to make a point. So he takes Gomer as his wife. And she runs away. Sells herself into prostitution and has to be bought back. God says... Go get her. Go get your wife, buy her back, bring her home. Okay, so Hosea does what he's told. She comes home, gets herself right back out, sells herself back out. God says to, and I'm sure Hosea's like, okay, I did this once, but God's like, no, go again. Go get her. And, I, and I'm, I, there's five times, I think, is, is, uh, in Hosea that God, that God tells Hosea to go get his wife. To bring her home. Bring home your wife. And then he says, of course, you know, if you're Hosea, you're probably about to the end of your rope, right? And he says, why do you want me to continue to bring this woman back? And he said, this is a representation of what God's people are doing to me. They continue to prostitute themselves away from me. They continue to walk away. And in Hosea 6, uh, 6, 6, it says, For I do not desire, this is what God says, I do not desire mercy, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. I put it on the other side. This is like a paraphrase, but I like it. It says, God says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want offerings. Part of the battle is knowing what to give God. I have always said we live in a world or in, in a country that is so rich that giving a tithe of 
is really not much of a big deal. In fact, when the, we're, we're real good at that, right? I'll throw my money at something and I'll keep my heart and my time to me. God says, I don't want, I don't need your money. I don't need your offerings. I don't need your stuff. I need your heart. And this, in, uh, in the passage, we're going to go to the second part of this passage in James, talks about he is a jealous God. He's a jealous God who wants us. He wants our lives, not our stuff. And it begins with the battle inside of us. The second part is that he says we need to let the Spirit lead us. He says you've already chosen the wrong things of the world, right? A.K.A. you've all sinned. We've all sinned. So we've all, at least once in our life, and many more, have chosen the things of the world. And it says uh, that we have become... Where is it? Okay. You know that friendship with the world means enmity against God. It means hostility against God. It means a pushing back against God. He is jealous and longs for our spirit. Longs for the spirit that dwells in us. Uh, almost. The reality is there's two ways, right? There's God's way and man's way. The old way and the new way. The good thing is we don't have to continue in the old way. God has given us a spirit to help us to go the right way. And he says, I'll even give you more grace. He says that in uh, verse 6. He says, he gives us more grace. He opposes, uh, opposes the pride, the proud, and shows favor to the humble. See, because here's the problem. Proverbs 14 reminds us that there's a way that seems right to us, and it ends in death. There's a way that seems right to us, there's a way that seems better for me. There's a way that seems like I might get something out of it. But if it's not God's plan or God's direction, or God's, uh, it always ends the same. Bad. You may know this passage, uh, Proverbs. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. This is a fill in the blank. I should have put a blank on this. Does anybody know what the last, second half of this passage is? Good job. Ken, did you learn that at a really young age? <laughs> but you learned it at a young age, right? Awesome. Awesome. It says, He will make our paths straight, He will direct our paths if we trust in Him and not lean on our own understanding. And finally, we need to push pride to the side. I got this great video, this great video, great picture. I made that. How about that? Pretty good, huh? I am proud of it. <laughs> Thanks, Glenn. <laughs> it says, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. 
Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift up, lift you up. You know, pride clouds God's plan for our life. Pride clouds God's plan for our life. And we quickly want to believe that we're not prideful people. If you're sitting there thinking, I'm not sure I'm not that prideful, you're already there, right? Because pride is, pride is this understanding, this idea that somehow we have it figured out better than God. Adam and Eve thought they had it figured out better than God. There was a pride issue. The pride was, I hear you, God, but I think we'll do it this way. I know you have a plan, God, but I know you want me to wait, God, but we honestly believe that we have a better plan than God has for us. That's pride. That's the struggle that each and every one of us have dealt with. Ken, you got, you got a minute? Okay, good, just checking. I just want to make sure. I need some help. Come on, Ken. We're going to, we're going to do an illustration of pride. All right. So every time I tell you something nice, Ken, you're going to pump this up, okay? Let's try this. In what way? Ken, you have a really nice shirt today. And I like your shoes. They're tied. Thank you. They're not cleats. And they're not cleats. Good point. Your wife was good. Anybody else have any nice things they want to say to Ken? Might make him feel good about himself? He is a hard worker. Ken, you are a hard worker. Oh, we let a little air out, so you must have done... Oh, yeah, see? Nice, yeah. I see that. I'm not very good at this part, Ken. I'm, not, I'm shirking my duty. You want to do it? Okay. Okay. You're, you're better at that than I. I'm not sure that's a nice thing. Pump it, Ken. You got to pump it up. There you go. Oh, no. Now I kink the hose. <laughs> this is good. For all you in uh, radio land, we're uh, pumping up a uh, balloon, hopefully. There. Nice. Anybody else have any nice things they want to say about Ken this morning? He is a very kind-hearted young man. He is faithful. Good family member. All right. Ken, what do you think would happen if we just kept filling you full of nice... Well, either the balloon things. will fly off. It might blow up. Yeah, it's not a very good, it's a bad illustration. But what would happen if that thing just kept, if we actually got it about like this big? Uh, it'll probably break it about this big. Probably about that big. Yeah. You think that pride is somewhat like that? That it'll blow up? Yeah. I mean, I yeah, you want to try it? <laughs> I never met a Bartlett that wouldn't want to try it, right? <laughs> I, I, didn't, I, thought I, had, I thought I had one of those good ones. You need an Obviously, Ken, pride is not an issue for... <laughs> the next person will not be happy. <laughs> but isn't pride like that? It begins to puff us up. It builds us up. We begin to believe we're something better than we are. And sometimes in church... Uh, we're really good at that. We believe 
that uh, somehow our sin is somehow less than the other guy's sin. That somehow our sin was forgiven, which it was absolutely forgiven, right? By Jesus. But our sin wasn't as bad as the guy who walked through the door's sin. Or that our sin somehow wasn't enough to take us to an eternity away from God. That somehow our sin wasn't as bad as the next guy's sin or the next girl's sin. When the reality is this, Scripture tells us that uh, for all have sinned. So we're all in the same boat. We've all sinned. We're all falling short of the glory of God. That maybe your sin looks different than mine. I probably does. And my sin looks different than yours. But that doesn't change anything. I still need the grace of Jesus. You still need the grace of Jesus. I like this picture. Because I don't know about you, but if you spend much time in the world, you know what they say about religion. It's a crutch. Someone said it. I don't know who said it. Thank you. It's a crutch. Religion is a crutch for the weak. What do you think about that, church? Absolutely. Exactly. Thank you, Glenn. Absolutely, right? It's a good answer. It is a crutch. And you know what? We need Jesus. And isn't that where the pride comes in? When we actually get to the point where we don't think we need Jesus to change the things in our lives that we can't change on our own? When we actually believe that somehow we have a better plan than God has for our lives, that we don't need the blood of Jesus to save us from an eternity away from Him, that is absolutely the pride of life. We do need a crutch. We all need a crutch. Let's pray. Lord God, we are so thankful for your word this morning that reminds us that we are a weak and broken and hurting people. And yet there is a hope in your word, a hope that reminds us, Lord, that that crutch is you, that we can lean upon you. We'll lean on you, Lord, to direct our paths, to give us wisdom, to give us discernment. And Lord, may we help others to find you. Lord, may this church be a hospital in our community, a spiritual hospital where we seek to help others, where, Lord, we step out in faith in areas that we know we have been called to, where we seek to discern the direction that you have for each and every one of us. Lord, you have placed a call upon our lives, and I'm sure they don't all look the same. You have called us to our neighbors. You have called us to our friends. You have called us to our family to share the love of Jesus with them. We need a Savior. In your name we pray. Amen.